Well, good morning, Lavington Vineyard Church. Happy Easter. Christ is risen. So hopefully I heard you say, or you, hopefully people heard you say, your neighbors, your family, he is risen indeed. Let's try again. Christ is risen. All right, guys, let's try again. Christ is risen. Amen. Well, greetings from my family garden here in Nairobi, Kenya. It is such a joy to be sharing with you on this Easter Sunday morning. The sun is shining. It is a beautiful morning. I hope you can hear the birds uh, chirping in the background. It is a glorious resurrection Sunday morning. So I'm here with my family. We're wearing our Sunday best. It's part of our cultural family tradition to dress up on Easter. You may be in your pajamas. That's okay. No judgment. But we're here in our Easter Sunday best. We're going to take photos later. And we're just really excited about this day. And this is a strange week, isn't it? It was the strangest Holy Week that I've ever experienced. Actually felt sad and incredibly disorienting at times to be marking Holy Week in this way. Jesus faced the kind of disorientation that we can't even imagine. To enter Jerusalem like a conquering king, like a hailing king, and they laid down palm branches, maybe similar to the ones behind me. And they put down robes on the ground. And he rode in Jerusalem to the crowds of Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But then within a week's time, they were calling for his death, the most brutal kind of death invented by humanity. I can't even imagine the kind of disorientation that Jesus experienced. We go through disorientation as a world, as a church, and as individuals. Know that Jesus himself knows disorientation. He knows what it feels like to face a world that is dark and broken. We have been hearing about flattening the curve. We see here on the screen there, the red area is what would happen to our world, to our healthcare system, to our hospitals without the kind of protective measures of social distancing, washing our hands well, now wearing masks. And so as you've probably heard a million times, we wanna flatten the curve. We wanna have that blue curve where with these protective measures, we can manage this better. It feels like the world is convulsing. In our passage today, there's a part where a boy who's demon-possessed is thrown into convulsions. It feels like our world is convulsing right now. We have destruction all around, the destruction of lives. I said on Friday in our Good Friday service that we're not even able to lament like we normally lament. Lives are being destroyed, and we can't even mourn the way we want to. The economy is facing destruction, social fabric facing the threat of destruction. It's a world of unbelief and perversion, much like Jesus saw. And in our story, he says to this one generation, how long shall I put up you? How, how, how long can I stay with you? And for us, maybe like me, you've been asking, how long can we stay inside in social distance? How long can we put up with this? Well, LVC, that's exactly the kind of world into which Jesus enters in all his glory all his greatness, and yet he does not stay up on the mountain. 
he draws near and enters into our mess and he sets his face to the cross. Because like Isabella said last week, before glory comes the cross, before the resurrection must come death. But as we see from this passage this morning, when the disciples get a glimpse of his glory, the resurrection is coming. That story, what they experience in this text this morning, is what points forward to the resurrection. They get a glimpse of the glory of Jesus Christ. And for us today, on this Easter Sunday morning, resurrection has already happened, but another, another resurrection is coming. So my main aim in this sermon on Easter Sunday is to persuade you to listen carefully to Jesus more than ever before. We need to press in, to pray in, to lean into Jesus more than ever during this pandemic, to listen to his voice in the word and in prayer. In short, let's get as much of a taste of the kingdom of God as we can during this time, which at times, frankly, it just feels some days like we're just tasting despair and death. There's no better time to press in, to lean into Jesus to pray in, to get more of a taste of his kingdom. Friends, resurrection is coming. And so we need to listen to Jesus. And so let's listen to his word. And to help us do that, we're joined by Muthoni on this live stream. Welcome, Muthoni. Happy Easter. Thank you. Happy Easter, Jeremy. Well, before you read God's word for us this morning, can you share a bit about what God has done in your life, like the, the resurrection of Jesus, what has that meant for your life? Yeah, thank, thank you, Jeremy. What a great opportunity to speak of the wonderful things that God has done for me. Um, you know, God the Son died publicly for me, and he calls me his own. He's, I'm an heir to his kingdom, and I'm happy to grab this opportunity to publicly declare that I love him. I strive to obey him. And I know that he is continually coordinating one billion details all in my favor. So I grew up in a Christian home and I've always known the story of salvation. It wasn't a new story to me, but in the last few years, I've started to deeply study it and to truly understand it through, this is through BSF and also through attending this church, which is a good Bible-based church. So I thank you, Jeremy. And so over the last few years, because of the deep study, I have found that knowing God and being close to him is the absolute best thing that a person can do for themselves. Not just the head knowledge, not just having that head knowledge, but being sincere about it, um, being sincerely opening your heart to him and letting him guide, guide you in every step of the way and in every aspect of your life. And so um, even through this coronavirus uh, situation, I'm finding that um, though we're in a crisis, there's a pandemic going on, I'm finding that I am at peace with him. I, I know I've seen it throughout my life. And like I'm saying, especially this last few years when my heart has been opened to him and my eyes have been opened, I'm seeing that he works out details um in the in in favor of the people who love him and so i am at peace um that no matter what happens uh god is in control and his plans are always completely perfect so he has blessed me with a good husband uh he's called gabriel and my children three children called imani jabari and uh, wagui and we are all in good health and god provides wonderfully for us so i'm highly favored by god i adore him and I wish to please him in everything that I do. And uh, like the casting crows sing in their mm. song, 
I want to be able to sign his name at the end of each day, knowing that my heart has been completely true to him. Well, thank you. Well, thank you for sharing that testimony. Muthoni, please greet your family. You. Wish them a happy Easter for us. And so now let's hear the word of the Lord. Okay. Um, so this morning's reading comes from the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 27 to verse, to verse 50. So we start. So truly, I tell you, some of you are standing here. Some of you who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. About 80 days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, is it good for us to be here? Let us, let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While they were speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept to this to themselves and did not tell anyone at the time what they had seen. The next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met them. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only son. A spirit seizes him and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. I beg your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion, but Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And they were amazed at the greatness of God. While everyone was marveling at all Jesus did, he said to his disciples, listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The son of God is going to be delivered into the hands of men, but they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them so that they did not grasp it and they were afraid to ask him about it. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside, beside him. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you, all, among you all who is the greatest. Master, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he is not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for whoever is not against you is for you. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Muthoni. Have a happy Easter.
guys, we've become familiar with a certain curve, the curve I mentioned before, that pandemic curve that we're trying to flatten. But to give us a roadmap for understanding this passage, I want to show you a different kind of curve, an inverted bell curve, if you will, actually what's called a U-curve. The lowest point is when the son of man is delivered into the hands of men and he's killed on a cross. This is the lowest point in the words of our text today. This is the lowest point of an unbelieving and perverse and convulsing world. A world that would kill the very son of God. A perfect, innocent, spotless lamb of God. The highest point of this U-curve is when we share in the future final glory of King Jesus, when he will make all things new and bring the kingdom in its fullness. That is when we will truly and finally see the kingdom of God. And of course, this is made possible today by the resurrection, what we are celebrating today, the resurrection of the Son of God from the dead. But the other high point at the beginning of this U-curve is where our passage begins today. Jesus takes Peter, John, and James literally up on a mountain where they see his glory. And we're going to spend some time here because of how it points to the resurrection. But you see, like Pastor Isabella talked about last week, Jesus had to tell his disciples that the true Messiah can't just go from glory to greater and greater glory. No, because as we'll see, as they come down this mountain, it's like they enter back into this unbelieving and perverse world. And the road to the bottom begins. The road to the cross. Last week, we heard from the beginning of Luke chapter 9 that Isabella preached on that it all culminates in this one question that Jesus asks his disciples. Who do you say that I am? There were all these ideas about who Jesus was. But he asked them point blank, who do you say that I am? And Peter got it right. He said, you are the Messiah, the Christ. Well, in today's passage, he's called the teacher. He's called the master. And most importantly, by God the Father, he's called son. But what becomes clear in our passage today is that the disciples, even Peter, don't really get it. The fact that the Messiah, the Son of Man, would have to be handed over to men to be killed, to suffer. And yet, as we heard last week, Jesus told them that they, some of them, he told some of them they would not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Well, that's what happens in today's story. That's what comes true. They, three of them, Peter, John, and James, get a taste of the kingdom of God in a powerful way. So let's take a closer look at it. Three things that I want to show you about this mountaintop experience. First, what they see, then who they see, and what they hear. So let's look there in verse 29. They see Jesus praying, and as he's praying, the appearance of his face changed. His clothes become as bright as lightning. Their eyes behold glorious splendor. They see his glory there in verse 32. 
And they also see two men with Jesus. So who do they see? They see Moses and Elijah in their own glorious splendor. As good Jewish boys who knew their Hebrew Bibles, these were likely two heroes of theirs, two heroes of the faith representing the law and the prophets. One who is the deliverer of God's people out of slavery and the other, one of the most important prophets whom God used powerfully. Peter doesn't know what he's saying because either he's groggy from sleep or he's just so overcome by all the glory. But essentially what he does is propose a sophisticated kind of camping, a first century camping, if you will, setting up these shelters or tents for Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. Peter is seeing the glory of all three of them. And by proposing these three shelters, it's like he's putting Moses and Elijah on par with Jesus. And so that's why what they hear is so important and who they hear it from. So what do they hear? LVC, even for us, if there's one takeaway from this Easter Sunday sermon, it's what, the God, it's what God the Father says here. This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Look at what happens. While Peter is talking and speaking nonsense, essentially they enter the presence of Almighty God, which is so powerful that they feel fear. And then a voice speaks. No, Jesus is not on par with Moses and Elijah. He is high above them, acknowledged as the son who has been chosen by the Father. Therefore, Peter, John, and James, listen to him. Therefore, LVC, disciples throughout all time, the entire world, listen to him. Well, then the four of them literally come down from the mountain, and they enter back into a broken and fallen world. Look at verses 38 and 39. The kind of world where someone's only child is seized by an impure spirit, leading him to scream, to be thrown into convulsions, a spirit that is almost constantly there and is destroying him. Jesus enters back into an unbelieving and perverse world that seems to exasperate him. The kind of world where his disciples, whom before he had given the authority to drive out demons, and now they can't do it. It's the kind of world where after seeing the greatness of God and hearing people marvel and be amazed at the greatness of God, Jesus' disciples argue among themselves about who is the greatest. Talk about adventures and missing the point. It's the kind of world where disciples who had just failed to drive out a demon are now trying to stop those who are doing it because they're not part of their club. And yet, friends, this is exactly the kind of world that Jesus came for. The kind of world he willingly entered into and went back down into after tasting the glory that he had with the Father. He goes back into this world and wonders in a kind of lament, how long can I put up with you? But he tells this distraught father to bring the son to him. The son of God enters into that world and brings restoration to that son, giving him back to his father. 
He enters into that world as the son of man, revealing the greatness of God. But then he tells his disciples plainly, I'm going to be delivered into the hands of men who will kill me. He enters into that world and in the midst of their foolish argument about greatness, he enters the world of another child and uses him as an object lesson. So you want greatness, disciples? The least among you who welcomes a little child like this, that one is the greatest among you. He enters into that world and eventually becomes the least of the least. A common criminal killed on the cross of the oppressors. But LBC resurrection was coming. He had told them that he would rise again. His word would come true. They would once again be amazed at the, at the greatness of God. They would again see his glory. Church, all of us in one way or another have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. We have experienced his glory to one degree or another. But right now our world is in a dark place. There's no getting around that or pretending it's not real. It's even hard to read more than one news article. But church, we will get through this. There are going to be harder days to come, but ultimately resurrection is coming. And that final day when the resurrected one comes for his people to renew all things, to make a new heavens and a new earth free of pandemics, free of war, free of all pain, that day is coming. Resurrection is coming. Resurrection has happened, and another resurrection is coming. Right now, we're, we're in this in-between time that Debs talked about in our Hebrew series so powerfully, that already, but not yet, aspect of the kingdom. One day, it will be here in fullness, church. It's not already here in fullness, but we're awaiting it. One day it is coming. The resurrection is coming. So in the meantime, because this resurrected Jesus has sent his spirit to live in the hearts of his people and to dwell among them, I pray that you and I get tastes of the kingdom of God, even as we wait patiently for the fullness of that kingdom. So two simple challenges and encouragements for us this morning. First, listen to Jesus. Keep getting around him in his word, church. Notice the power of his words in this story, in this text. Look at there in verse 42 and 44. This word that has been inscripturated for us. Jesus rebuked the impure spirit with a word. He drove out the spirit that had been destroying this little boy. The father had said, listen to my son. And then Jesus says, listen carefully to what I'm going to tell you, even though you're not going to like it. Church, more than ever before, let's get into his word. Let's get around Jesus and sit at his feet like Mary not busying ourselves like Martha with all these different things, but let's get around him and sit at his feet. Kids, 
with some extra time perhaps, when you're not running around doing all these different school activities. Consider if you're younger, picking up the story, Jesus Storybook Bible and reading as much of it as you can. Or if you're older, to pick up a Bible that you can read and to read it. Teenagers, I want to acknowledge that you're going through a really hard time. And this time in your life when more than ever before, you want to be around your friends. And imagine right now you're missing them. And social media cannot do justice to what you experience when you're hanging out with them. Many of you are missing really important school activities. Can I encourage you in this really hard time for you, even with all your doubts and your questions, to get around Jesus maybe to to dust off that Bible that's been on your shelf or open up that app that's been idle for a long time and just consider reading the Bible, getting around Jesus in his word. But church, let's also be getting around Jesus in prayer. Look at verses 28 and 29. Jesus himself was up on the mountaintop praying. As he was praying, glory happens. Let's not get sleepy I love this part. If you've never thought that there's humor in the Bible, let me just point out one little example. So kids, I don't know if you knew this, but the Bible is full of humor. And I found myself really cracking up when I thought about what was happening here with Peter and his companions when they get sleepy. Because imagine these are their like boyhood heroes. They heard stories about all their lives, Moses and Elijah. And they're there in glorious splendor talking with their master, their Messiah, Jesus. And yet these three guys get sleepy. Like how in the world are they getting sleepy? But perhaps in some ways, this is just a metaphor for us, a warning, a challenge that even as Jesus is wanting to draw near and calling us, the challenge in this time, especially to get distracted. Let's be careful, LVC, about jumping into escape about resorting to escape. It's good to get lost in epic stories at this time. We are, we are in God's bigger story. We're made for stories. So get lost in amazing epic stories right now. But let's be careful about the kind of sleepiness that escape can bring. Well, let's draw near to him to bring restoration in our lives. Brother and sister, he wants to draw near to you during this really difficult time to bring restoration. I wonder if you feel like he thinks of you with exasperation. Like before in our text, when he, with a kind of exasperation, says to this unbelieving and perverse generation, how long can I put up with you? I wonder if you think that he thinks of you like that. Well, no, friends, he does not. Think of you like that. Yeah, he sees you and me in our mess, and he wants to draw near. I love that part at the end of the story with the father and the son, when even when he cries out in exasperation, how long can he put up with this world, this broken and fallen world that is rejecting him? He says to that distraught father, bring your son to me. I think in a similar way, When you think perhaps he's thinking of you like that, he says, no, come here to me. He wants to draw near. He is for you, sister. He is for you, brother. Well, as many of you know, I love to pray the prayer of blessing from Numbers chapter six. 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. And it pains me to not be able to do it in person. But this morning, I want to end as a sort of benediction by playing a song for you that's on YouTube. I hope YouTube will allow me to do it. I tested it out. It should work. If it doesn't work, you can go on the show notes or to our Facebook page and click on this link. It's a song called The Blessing. And it's just straight from the words of Numbers chapter six. And so I want you to listen to this. I'm going to play it through the live stream and hope it can go as as long as possible. Uh, But if it does cut off, let me just wish you again a happy Easter. Christ is risen. I wish you a blessed and peaceful and joyous Easter. Bear with me a minute. And this is a blessing over you and your family and your children. So just receive this this morning. Just put your hands out in front of you. Turn your heart to a place of just receiving the blessing of heaven from God himself over you this morning. We agree.
Lifestyle Church. If you want to listen to the whole thing, let me encourage you to go to YouTube, go to our Facebook page, check it out. But may you be blessed on this Easter. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Stay in peace. Be blessed.